Good morning. And happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers here and grandmothers. Happy to worship with you. This morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. Going to be reading verses 42 through 47 as we've been going through this sermon series that's entitled, You Are Welcome Here. We're trying to create welcoming environments that nurture everyone into the life of Cornerstone. And throughout this series, we've talked about what we mean when we say you. It means all of you, whether you have sin that you struggle with, whether you have doubt that you struggle with, whether you are broken, you are welcome. And and what we mean when we say welcome is there's a, a level of love and fellowship that we're trying to welcome you into. And today we're really going to dig a little bit deeper into what I mean when I say here. You are welcome here. Let's talk about that as we read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And it says that they, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders, and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And we're told that all the believers were together, had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone who had a need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray together. Father, as we uh, go before your word, and as we gather together around your word, I pray that that is what will speak to our hearts, that your spirit will help tune out every distraction and help us to really key in on what your word is saying to our community and to our lives today. Father, thank you for being present among us, and thank you for sending your son, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
enjoy the favor of one another. And if somebody asked you to paint a picture of Cornerstone Christian Church, my hope is that you would open up to Acts 2.42 to 47. It's a standard by which I think all churches try to aim. Ecclesia is the word we're going to talk about this morning. It's a Greek word, and it's used 117 times in the New Testament. That's a lot, right? Jesus uses the term when he says to Peter, he says, Peter, your name is, well, he said, your name is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my ecclesia, my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Luke loves this term ecclesia, and he uses it throughout the book of Acts, and it's almost always translated church or congregation. But what does ecclesia mean? What does church mean? Now, non-Christians in the Roman world would have used this word ecclesia on a regular basis. It was to describe the assemblies who met together. These assemblies would be very closely related to our city council. They, they meet together to better the city or state. There's a political undertone to the word ecclesia in the Roman world. And if you think about it, we still use assembly today, right? Next week, we're going to really dive into the betterment of the world conversation of you are welcome here. But this morning, I want to talk about the assembly. I want to talk about how church is never used in the Bible to refer to a building, but an assembly. It's an assembly of believers who gather together. So let's follow along in this description of Ecclesia in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. Did you notice that Luke uses a very strong description of how they gather? He used the word, they devoted themselves. I mean, he could have said, every time we gather together, we pray. Every time we gather together, we worship. But instead, he says, they devoted themselves. Write that word, that phrase down if you'd like. When they say, when Luke says, they devoted themselves, it means that they were steadfast, that they were of single mind in their purpose and mission. They wanted it, and they were going to go after it. In 2008, Sonia Richards-Ross completed the 400-meter in Beijing. She started the race out great, built a substantial lead, but then she locked up. She ended up finishing third for bronze. Now, in 2012, she competed and won the gold medal in the 400 meter in London with a record-breaking time. 
But listen to this. For four years, Sonia Richards-Ross waited. For four years, she waited with hunger pangs of unfinished business, the sense of an uncompleted mission. And when they introduced her in 2012, she blew a kiss to the camera and went out and won that gold medal. And just as Sonia Richards-Ross was devoted to her pursuit of Olympic gold, those early Christians modeled a deep devotion to Jesus Christ. They were intentional. They were disciplined about the process of becoming devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Paul loves this metaphor. He uses it four different times in his letters if you include the book of Hebrews. Let me share two of those with you. The first one in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Now run in it, we're told, in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it for a crown that will last, that will not last. But we do it for a crown that will last forever. And therefore, I will not run like someone who is running aimlessly. I'm not going to fight like a boxer who's beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave. So after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily tangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This isn't an individual competition. And when we are training, we're doing exactly what the early church did. We are devoting our lives to the apostles' teaching. We are devoting our lives to fellowship. We are devoting our lives to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and that, my friends, is beating our bodies and making it a slave so that we can run with perseverance. And yet Cornerstone, along with a lot of other churches, would only need to sell popcorn out in the lobby to know that it's a good show. I don't invite you to a show. I invite you to a community of people who are devoted, devoted to Christ. Now notice also in Acts chapter 2, Luke gives us this picture of family, that they gathered together as family. He doesn't use the word family. But look at how he describes their gatherings. 
They ate together in their homes. They had a common purpose and desire. They had everything in common and looked out for one another. They were not strangers who just happened to attend the same church building once a month. These folks were in the trenches together. Amen? I read a recent article about how people in Japan are so busy that older people can now rent a family. Here's the quote. In Japan, you can rent a family. Elderly Japanese who are isolated from their children by the frantic pace of modern life can rent a family for lunch or maybe just a few hours. Just call and ask for a son, a daughter, a grandchild, whatever relative that you might want, and that type will show up at your door and greet you as if they haven't seen you in years. Of course, that service isn't cheap. It's about $1,100 plus transportation. But it was founded when a businesswoman was too busy to visit her mother, and so she sent her staff to go visit, and that seemed like it worked really well. And I love this quote from the article. What is common about our clients is that they are thirsty for human love. We are. We are. And this community should be like family. Thirsty for human love is a biblical concept, right? Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Doesn't it say, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. We are thirsty for human love. And if you remove the church from every community here in the United States, you know what you're going to have? People still thirsty for human love. And they'll join gangs, they'll join sororities, they'll join clubs, they'll join volunteer organizations, and they'll miss out on the Christian values of love. The difference is that our ecclesia should help people reflect Jesus where they live, work, and play. We are training each other to be transformational in this world. And while we do that, we become family. All right, here's the last thought from the passage here in Acts chapter 2. They were a growing community. The family analogy kind of ends there right now. I mean, I can adopt any one of you if you would like to legally change your last name to Cox. And we would legitimately be family, right? But that's not how the world operates. You don't just go around randomly adopting people to have them change their last name to your last name. The point I'm making is this family here is not supposed to be limited to just us. Luke says that because the ecclesia was healthy. And when they were healthy, the Lord added to their numbers daily. Church growth is not commanded by Jesus or any of the disciples. 
And if you watch Jesus, you'll not notice that he never discusses growth. It just naturally happens. And sometimes, sometimes, he encourages people to start their own community. This is the story in Mark chapter 5. Jesus came upon a, a man that was demon-possessed. And his life was turned upside down when Jesus called that demon out and he was made whole. And when Jesus' work was done there, he got in the boat, we're told. Mark chapter 5, verse 18. And the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. And if we pause there on verse 18, that's natural growth, right? Transformation has happened. And now Jesus has got another disciple to add to his number, another butt to enter the pew. But no, verse 19 says, no. Go home to your own people, he says. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. And so that man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and the people were amazed. Jesus doesn't add him to his group of followers, but he sends him out to start his own ecclesia. And we are reminded that it's not about adding butts to our pews, but adding followers of Jesus in this giant kingdom of God. Amen? And I believe that if we are all living like Jesus, reflecting him where we live and work and play, our community will naturally grow. And the kingdom of God will naturally grow. And so, you are welcome here. Not to this building, necessarily, but to this family. It's a growing family that is dedicated to transforming minds and changing lives. We gather around the table together regularly. We're devoted ourselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking bread and prayer. And to the breaking bread is where we point our attention now. We do so in unity and in solidarity because of the transforming power of the resurrection. I'm going to invite Mary Ellen. Oh, there she is. Who's been busy teaching our children but she wants to come this morning and share with you the song, Come Just As You Are. It's a beautiful song that reminds us that no matter where we are in life, we are welcome here. No matter where you are in life, you are welcome here to the healing power of Christ's death and resurrection. And as she plays, I invite you to go to one of the three communion stations that are set up. Take the cup and go back to your seat and reflect as she plays the song. And then Luke's going to come forward 
and we will share those emblems together as Luke comes forward. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the example of your son, Jesus Christ. And as we gather around the table, I, I hope that we can reflect on what this gathering means as a community and what this gathering means as the bigger kingdom of God. The Christians around the world are gathering to take this simple meal of bread and juice to remember your sacrifice. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.